praise you. We bless you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for watching over us and blessing us this day and enabling us to do the things that we set out to do. Thank you for the mind that we have to come to the house of worship tonight to study the word of the Lord. We pray, God, that you will open up our understanding, that the anointing of God will be mighty here on tonight, that we will anoint our ears to receive what you would have us to receive, that we may apply it to our lives and be more and more like Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. There may be some here tonight that have special needs, so we pray, God, that you will meet those needs because you are Jehovah Jireh, you're our supplier. You're, you bless you, we praise you, we honor you, we magnify you. Thank you and we praise you for this time together on tonight. Give all of us this common testimony that it was good for us to have been here this night at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And it reads as thus. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same affliction that are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. May God bless the reader. The pardon of detour. So we dealt with a really, really weighty subject of forgiveness and unforgiveness. And I actually, in doing the work over the week, I was like, we could have camped there for two, three weeks going through that. And I really encourage you, if you haven't been doing the weekly study, even if you don't do any of them, go back and do last week's because it's really, really helpful. I think it's something that we all need to work through. We all deal with unforgiveness and how to, how to move forward. And So even if you don't do any of it, go back and do, go back and do last week's. But this week we're going to be learning about the promotion of detours and what happens when you have to wait and, and what happens after you wait how God promotes us through our detours. So we're going to keep exploring the life of Joseph. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans has another study. Then we'll come back afterwards, and then we'll have a discussion about it. When I was a kid, I had a dream, a big dream of preaching God's word. In fact, I would stand on the street corner and preach and go to the prisons with my dad and preach. I would even stand on top of cars and preach. Looking forward to one day doing that as a, as a life's calling and vocation, only to discover that there would be roadblocks along the way. There would be detours, detours due to race as I was rejected from being able to even get on radio due to the color of my skin. There would be detours due to circumstances that were outside of my control. But that's when God stepped in and turned detours into a promotion by raising up men who came alongside, who opened doors that I could not open. And 
God stepped in and demonstrated he is the one who brings about promotion at the right time. That's why in this session, we're talking about the promotion of detours. We'll see how what God did for Joseph, he can also do for you. looking at the subject of detours through the life of Joseph. And we have found Joseph going through it, hoping for a better day only to see things get worse. And isn't that true of detours? But we've discovered also that detours are not random. They are caused or allowed by God to develop us toward our destiny. You know, um, when I get up to go to work, I pick out an iron shirt. And the reason I do that is because if the shirt is not iron, it's wrinkled. And in order to get the wrinkles out, you got to put a little heat on it. Not because I'm trying to be mean to my wardrobe. I'm just trying to look okay when I wear it. When God sends us on detours, he's not hating. He's not trying to be mean. But if he's going to wear you, as his representative, he wants to look good with you on him. And so that ironing process sometimes gets a little warm, gets a little hot, gets a little uncomfortable. You see the steam of your discomfort rising, but only because God wants to wear you and God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Extraordinary trials demands an extraordinary preparation because that means there's an extraordinary purpose. So if you've been going through it and it's been rough and it won't leave you alone and it's been extended, that's because God has got something commensurate with your pain as he takes you to your pinnacle. We saw Joseph being forgotten and playing the waiting game that the cupbearer has forgotten him and he has to languish in uncertainty for an extended period of time. But you know, everybody loves a graduation. That special time when you are taken out of all that you've been through to what's next. You know, the great thing about tests is when you pass them, you move on. The bad thing about tests is when you pass them, there's usually another one in the next grade level. <laughs> but he has been passing tests all along the way. And now comes the time for graduation. The time to be moved on or to be, as we're saying in this session, promoted the promotion of detours. I remember, as you do, the statement by James in James 1.12. He says, and after you've endured your trials, when you are approved, in other words, when God is finished and you have passed, you will receive the crown of life. That's not talking about heaven. That's talking about God giving you the life that passing the test grants you. This was true of Abraham. Give your son, Genesis 22, the son whom you love, your only son, and sacrifice him to me. I'd call that a test. Because God is not just asking for something left over. He's asking for the most precious thing in Abraham's life. And he says, I want it for me. And the question in a test is always who you love, who you love the most. He takes his son, son whom he loved, when he didn't have answers because Isaac asked him, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham could only say, God's got to provide this one, boy. I don't have an answer for you. He gets up and he's ready to complete his obedience. Key word, complete. 
because sometimes we don't want to finish the test. We want to do 50 of the 100 questions and still get mad that we didn't get a passing grade. It says, when he was about to complete his obedience, God stopped him and said an unusual phrase. He said, now I know that you fear me. Wait a minute, God, what you mean now you know? You God, you knew before I got up this morning where this day was going. How come you don't know that till now? Let me tell you a little secret about God and his testings. God knows everything, actual and potential, because he's omniscient. But let me tell you something God does not know. He does not know everything experiential. In other words, he hasn't experienced everything he knows. For example, if you were to ask God, what does it feel like to commit a sin? He couldn't tell you. He's never committed a sin. He knows what sin is, but to enter into the experience of doing what he knows, he's never done it. That's why God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, so he could sympathize with our infirmities, the book of Hebrews says, so he could feel it. So when he tells Abraham, now I know, he doesn't mean informationally, now he's just finding out. He means experientially, I'm entering in to the feeling of what it feels like to be put first by you. God likes to feel what he knows. And when we pass the test, he gets to feel our commitment, feel our love, and he can say, now I know. And when he said, now I know, he told Abraham, and so now I will swear to you, I will bring forth the promises I made to you. You passed. And so now I'm going to do what I promised over 25 years ago I was going to do. You weren't ready then, you're ready now. So you keep answering the questions of the detours until it becomes time for your promotion. How do you know when it's time for your promotion? Because God does on your detour what you couldn't do that you tried to do during your detour. Because see, during your detour, you're trying to find your way to the main highway. You're trying to get off of this side road. You're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And you're not able to get off. God won't let you off. But it comes time when he'll show you that sign, turn here, main highway just ahead. When he does what you couldn't do, that's what happens to Joseph. Remember what Joseph did? He tried to get the cupbearer to remember him. And the cupbearer forgot. He tried. He tried to use his contacts. Because sometimes, you, you know, you may think your contacts can get you out of your problem. Not if you're on God's detour, they can't. You may think your bank account can buy you out the problem. Not if you're on God's detour, it won't. Because it's God's detour for your development. You're, in, you're, you're, you're on the ironing board of his purpose. And so Pharaoh in chapter 41 of Genesis has a dream. A dream about cows. He's got these seven cows grazing. And then out of nowhere, out of the Nile River, some ugly cows come in verse 3. And the ugly cows in verse 4 eat up the fat cows. He dreams again. And notice what verse 5 says. He fell asleep again and dreamed a second time. Remember what I told you? You know God is moving when he repeats the same thing twice. So he wants you to know it's the second time. There were two dreams in the prison by two different men of the same kind. Now uh, Joseph has been in two pits. Now there are two dreams. This second dream has to do with the grain that comes up and the, uh, the seven ears, verse 6, and then the thin ears, verse 7, swallow up the seven plump and eats them. And so he has these dreams and he's trying to figure out what do dreams mean? Let me say a word about dreams. In the Old Testament, dreams were used for revelation. God would reveal, one way God would reveal, would be through dreams. Well, we know revelation is complete now with the inerrant completion of the canon of Scripture. 
So we don't look to dreams for revelation. However, even though revelation has ceased, illumination has not. Illumination is where God applies revelation to our specific situation. And God can do that through any number of ways, including dreams. So if you have the same dream twice, then it is okay to ask, God, is there spiritual significance, particularly when what you are envisioning, and the, the difference between visions and dreams is, dreams is when you sleep, visions are when you awake. And there seems to be a significance, a spiritual significance involved. It's okay to ask that question, not because God gives new revelation, but he gives application called illumination. It's always got to be based on revelation. And so, he now wants to know what is this all about? It troubled him. Something, this wasn't just a normal dream. This was something that, that, that caused him consternation. Now, in the morning, his spirit, verse 8, was troubled. He sent and called for the magicians of Egypt, the wise men, and Pharaoh told them his dreams, but not one of them could interpret them to Pharaoh. They couldn't help out the king. Then, somebody say then. then. Verse 9, God is good at then. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I would take mention today of my own offense. Pharaoh was mad with his servants and he put me into a confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. Verse 11, we had a dream the same night. Verse 12, now a Hebrew youth was there with us as a servant of the captain of the bodyguard. We related to him, he interpreted the dream to each one be interpreted according to his own dream and just as he interpreted for us, it happened. I was restored. The baker was hung. Oh, all of a sudden, the cupbearer's memory returns. <laughs> all of a sudden, he remembers. You remember Psalm 105 we saw last time? Until the time. God has the clock ticking and he knows what time it is. It is when your preparation and his purpose connect. That is his graduation day. It's day for promotion. And so God does what Daniel was not able to do. He allows that negative forgetfulness in the head and heart of the cupbearer to take place until it was time for the for, until it was time for the king to dream his dream. So the king has dreamt his dream, and so he calls for Joseph, and he brings him out of the dungeon. Verse 14, he shaved him, changed his clothes, and he came to Pharaoh. Mm, I like that. It's easy to ride over that. But you know, he's in jail clothes. He got a beard as long as the floor. <laughs> Pharaoh said, clean him up because God knows how to clean things up when your graduation comes. And he cleans him up and he brings him up and he tells him, this was my dream. Nobody can help me. Notice what Joseph says. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. He had two dreams. But he says they're one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. He says, this dream is God talking to you and he's telling you what he is about to do. Now please notice verse 32. Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God and God will quickly bring it about. Okay, you see that? Twice again, but now he directly states it. He says, because God gave it to you twice, God is talking to you. And because God is talking to you, he's telling you something that using a physical reality is seeking to make a spiritual point. So again, I want to emphasize on your detours. Look for twice. Better yet, thrice. All right? Two or three witnesses, the Bible says. 
God suddenly succeeds where we have failed. And all of a sudden, that's why a number of times in the Bible you'll read the word suddenly or immediately. Suddenly or immediately means God just came out of nowhere and bam. I mean, Joseph's in prison. He doesn't know this is his day. He doesn't know that there's something out there taking place in the mind, heart, and sleep pattern of Pharaoh that's going to release him from prison. He has no idea because he's in a dungeon. So don't try to figure God out. Don't try to figure out, well, maybe he's going to do this and maybe he's going to do that. That will give you an Excedrin PM headache. <laughs> God's got stuff going on out here that he's not going to tell you about. You won't know about until suddenly. Bam, out of nowhere. He lets you see what he's up to. And he can use the most interesting things. Think of Esther, for example. Esther. I call her the diva. You know, you know, she's pretty and she wins the king Ahasuerus' heart and, you know, so she's, she got it going on, you know. And uh, Mordecai, her relative, has to tell her, girl, you've been put in the kingdom not just to look pretty and to live large. You've been put in the kingdom for such a time as this. In other words, there is a kingdom purpose to your beauty and to your opportunity, not just a personal benefit that is supposed to accrue to you and your family. And so he challenges her, and of course she says, if I perish, I perish. In that great statement, Haman is seeking to destroy God's people. He's seeking to exterminate the Jewish population in Persia. And what turns the whole story of Esther? Insomnia. The whole story of Esther turns on sleeplessness. It says the king could not sleep. He's tossing and turning and tossing and turning. He couldn't sleep. So he says, well, I can't sleep. Let me read something. He calls his servants to bring him something to read. And of all the books you want to read in the middle of the night, and I guess this was a good book to bring because you want the most boring thing in the world if you're trying to go to sleep, they bring him a list of all the names of all the people in Persia. They just bring him a directory. And so he can't sleep. He's reading the boring directory. And while he's reading the boring directory, he comes across a name called Mordecai. Oh, and he starts reading about Mordecai, finds out Mordecai was this guy who had brought about some deliverance earlier. He says, well, I need to find out more about this Mordecai in my sleepless night with this boring reading. <laughs> he then investigates Mordecai, Mordecai, finds out Mordecai is this great guy that he wants to now award, which throws off Haman's plan to kill the Jews because now he wants to award the person that Haman wants to kill, leading to Haman being hung on the galleys he built for Mordecai. So all, you know, God can just keep you awake to carry out his plan and his program. It is amazing. I, I, I remember I was, on, I was on an airplane and I was coming back to Dallas and as we got back to Dallas, storms were all over the place and they weren't going to end soon and, and much to my chagrin the pilot comes on the plane uh, over the loudspeaker and says I'm sorry uh, ladies and gentlemen they're not going to let us land the, uh, the, the storms are too great we're going to have to proceed to San Antonio we're going to have to proceed to San Antonio so we are going on to San Antonio everybody's on the plane is you know ticked off, oh no, missed my flight, you know, not being able to go home, you know. Uh, you know, I was a preacher on the plane, so I, I, uh, I didn't say it, but I was thinking everything those people were saying. And, uh, you know, and so finally, the plane, the plane lands. 
and when the plane lands, I see this family get from the, come from the back of the plane and get off the plane. And he comes over the loudspeaker and he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the family that just got off the plane because they were coming to San Antonio. Anybody else that's coming to San Antonio, you can feel free to get off now. God used a storm to bring them people home to where they were as a Christian family. So they got home through a storm. Sometimes God gets you to where he wants you to be in a storm. A diversion is really bringing you to the place he wants you to be. And that's exactly what God does in this process of promoting. Taking us from where we are to where we ought to be. I, I, I shouldn't be in Dallas. Dallas was never my plan. Dallas was never in my purview. I had my plan. I had my plan and I was in college and I was on my way to um, Indiana, Winona Lake, Indiana, to go to seminary from college. I had driven up to Winona Lake, me and the family, scouted out houses during my senior year of college, knew pretty much where we want to stay, sent in my registration and to begin my seminary career to become a full-time evangelist. That was, my, that was my plan. Came back to finish out the last semester of school. I'm in a Bible class in college, and my professor's name in that class was a man named Doug McIntosh. Doug McIntosh is seven feet tall, and he was the backup center at UCLA behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But he had become a strong Christian and was now in Christian ministry, and he happened to be teaching this Bible class. After I finished one of the classes, he comes over to me and he says, had you ever thought about going to Dallas Seminary? I said, no, I hadn't thought about going to Dallas Seminary. I'm already scheduled to go to Winona Lake, Indiana to Grace Theological Seminary, and uh, that's in my plans. I said, um, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty well situated. I know what I want to do, and I even got spiritual. I know what God wants me to do. <laughs> so you, see, when you, when, you go, when you go low with God, <laughs> means you know, you really know what you're doing. So I... I I had, I had the plan, and we was all set. We had already done the work. He said, I tell you what, I don't know why, but I, Dallas Seminary is stirring in my heart related to you, so I know you've got your plans. Can I just do this? Can I register you? I will pay for the registration fee. So that could be the Holy Ghost right there, but I will pay... <laughs> For the registration fee, I didn't ask him to do this. I didn't ask him to bring up Dallas Seminary. I didn't ask him. He just came out of nowhere. I will bring it up, and I will send it in. Let's see what happens. Well, if you're going to pay, and you're going to send it in, I'll fill out some papers. You know, I'll do that. So he sends it in. During the time that he sends it in, Dr. John Walvert, who's the president of Dallas Seminary, comes to speak at my school. And so he comes to speak in chapel, and I am mesmerized by the content of his message and really connect with it. The problem is they're not taking any more students to Dallas Seminary because of how late Doug McIntosh sent my material in. So that was not a consideration at all from a timing standpoint. I get a letter in the mail at the time of graduation, when I'm getting ready to go on the lake, we've received your application. It came behind uh, later than it should have, but our committee met and decided we would like to have you as a student if you would like to come. So I'm thinking about twice. <laughs> I didn't have it as a theology then, but, but, uh, but I was thinking about, wow, God, is this a suddenly? Because of how you brought this thing together, I came to Dallas Seminary and the rest is history. Because God did a U-turn. He created a detour. 
in my life. Keep your eyes open for detours. Keep your eyes open for God coming through twice. And the deeper he takes you, it's because the further he wants you to go. He has a plan to take you further than you thought you could go. And the natural explanations, watch this, particularly the explanations that are based on human wisdom. Remember, Pharaoh called the magicians and the wise. See, some of your greatest guidance won't come from the smart folk you know. <laughs> nothing wrong with being smart, nothing wrong with you knowing them. But God has chosen the weak things of this world, the things you don't expect, the things you don't give credit for. That's why the Bible says, don't dismiss angels or messengers unaware just because they don't fit your profile. Okay? Make sure you stay open to the word and the will of God and the voice of God, and you're looking for the twice. Because when he comes through two times, even if it's from a source you wouldn't normally relate to, expect, respect, naturally, God does not limit himself to human wisdom to get us where he wants us to go. And so he gets good news. He's now released. And all of a sudden, Joseph is second in command in Egypt. We're talking from, from the outhouse to the White House. <laughs> from the pit to the palace. Any of you ever feed your kids Pop-Tarts growing up? You know, Pop-Tarts? Come on, you don't have to be all spiritual. I know you're sitting there saying, I feed my kids eggs and bacon. Not when you were in a hurry, you didn't. You put them Pop-Tarts in there. And you know, you, you, you push them down in the toaster and they pop up, okay? But a lot of times you had to push them down again because they popped up too early. They weren't hot enough. They weren't ready enough. God's got the timer on your detours. And I know sometimes it looked like he popped you up and then he just pushed you right back down. <laughs> the only reason he did that was because he wants you when he's finished to come out mm -mm good. So the, tonight we learned about the promotion of detours, kind of representative of the point of the detour as it relates to us. So there's, two, there's a two-fold uh, purpose to detours. Part of it's for us, and then part of it's for God's kingdom. So sometimes we have to, but he's, God is gracious enough to bless us even in our detour as he uses us to bless the whole kingdom. So next week when we learn about the providence of detours, we'll learn how our, our detours work together for everything. But today we're going to talk about our promotion in detours. So uh, we're going to go over the answers to the fill-ins. Sorry. All right. Extraordinary trials demand an extraordinary because there is an extraordinary it's time for your promotion when God does on your detour that you try to do during your detour so once he does what you've been trying to do once he does it then it's time for your promotion it's time it's time for your promotion when God does on your detour what you couldn't do that you try to do during your detour. Okay, the next one is where God applies to our specific situation. Illumination is where God applies revelation to our specific situation. So how he explained he no longer walks he no no longer operates purely by revelation cuz that's been completed but he uses illumination 
and applies revelation. He brings illumination by applying revelation to our situations. Does that make sense? Okay. The next one is keep your open for detours. And the last one, God does not limit his, himself to, to get us where he wants us to go. Okay? So, and then some of the things he talked about, he talked about the, immediate, the immediately and the suddenly. We'll get into that a little bit later when we go into the discussion. Um, but we're going to move on to, before we get started on that, though, does anyone have any specific thing they want to share that they gained over last week's study on pardon, forgiveness? Nope. Okay, moving on. Okay, Rochelle, then Carla, then we'll move on quickly. You tried, so, and you were conscious of it. Yes. You knew what you were doing. So, but did they acknowledge it? Did they? So that's unilateral. So you got sometimes we have to give unilateral. Transactional is when the other person you're trying to make amends, you're trying to figure out how to work it. Let's work this out and this because you got to be around that person. But sometimes people either don't acknowledge that they did anything wrong to you, don't care that they did anything to wrong, wrong to you, are not around to, you know, they're sometimes geographically not here or sometimes they're just no longer living. So, yeah, but that was Unilateral, you, so you had to offer unilateral forgiveness when she was attempting. So sometimes, though, it does have to shift because if they're not giving you back what you need, then you still got to give that first one, though. So, very good. Sister Carla? I wrote down a quote that said, Nothing models the heart of Jesus than forgiveness. And that was the whole, I think, our study for last week really shows us he was showing us I, I kind of I saw it and it's like the the law of reciprocity so what God does we have to do what God does we have to do and when we don't do our part by forgiving we clog up the works so the the cycle can't keep going it's kind of like the rain cycle um, it goes up and goes the water evaporates and goes into the clouds and then it comes down and rains but when one thing gets gummed up then you got drought then you got, and that's what we're, some of us, a lot of us, are experiencing in our lives because the works are gummed up because we're holding on to unforgiveness. All right, Susan, then we're going to move on to promotions. That, that forgiveness helped me a lot. My best friend of 42 years decided to unfriend me and not talk to me because I didn't let her move into my house. And I didn't feel bad, but I, I dream about it almost every week. So <laughs> I felt that helped me to release the fact that, you know, I'm gonna text her or write or something, but I forgive her for doing that to me. It, it really hurt my feelings, and I was trying to hold on it and say forget her, but forgive <laughs> her. <laughs> we don't wanna hold up our blessings, and we wanna be able to be useful to God. So I'm happy, and I've heard a lot of other people come to me and told me their stories, how they're choosing to forgive family members and, and moving on, so. It's something, like like I said earlier, if you haven't done the, the weekly sessions for this one, go back and do it. Because it, out of anything, this one really can help you work through some stuff. Because I think we all have unforgiveness. We all have been harmed by somebody else because we live in a sin world. And we all need to be forgiven because we all sin. We all mess up and we all, we mess up. So we have to understand how this cycle works so that it can work smoothly. All right, let's move on to promotions now. Okay, so Dr. Evans gave us the illustration of the iron shirt. He took it out, it's all wrinkled. He has to iron it. He has to apply heat and pressure. He has to press it. And like, it's not just, it's high heat and high pressure is what will get you that crisp white shirt that you want. So when you're going through your detour and you're feeling some of the pressures of it, know that you're being prepared to be presentable. Um, I had another illustration too. Um, resistance is necessary for us and 
kind of God mirrors the spiritual and the physical. If you look at spiritual laws and physical laws, you can find how they correlate to each other. And an international space station, there's zero gravity, right? Well, what happens to the astronauts' muscles in zero gravity? They atrophy. They weaken. Their bones weaken. What is your heart? It's a muscle. So they have all these things because there's not the force of gravity that we experience here. So we sometimes wish for a life where we have no resistance. But what happens to it when we don't have it? Then you get weak, your bone, your 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 weakened, your your insides are not working right. So resistance, pressure, heat does something for us that's necessary for us to move forward. So it's when you're going through something, just remember it has a purpose. So that's something that came to me when I was preparing for today. So um, can we have someone share an experience of when you knew you were on a de that your detour was truly over and that you were back on the main highway? Does anyone have an experience in their life where they got taken off, way off in left field, but they kind of saw things kind of fell into line and they were seeing that they were getting back to, to you know, the road signs are saying highway ahead? Anybody? <laughs> All right, Donald has an example. <laughs> hmm? All right. But there was a time, yes, okay, good, thank you. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Anyone else want to share? Okay, Sister Jackie, and then we'll move to the next one. Scripture to say that I'm praying today, 
And, you know, Billy would kind of brush him off. But we went to Pastor's Church in the... the San Luis Obispo? Yeah, you guys were dancing. You yeah, were, House of Prayer. Yeah, and uh, I had been praying for Billy to see the real Lord. And, and I was thinking I wasn't getting the answer. And I was sitting there in my head thinking about it, and I was like, well, we're not at home, our home church, so it's not going to happen here. And Pastor called him out. And I was like, me? And Pastor said, no, not you, him. <laughs> and Billy walked up there, and he never looked back. He never looked back. Right. So some, it took a bus ride, a, a bus ride to San Luis Obispo was his detour. <laughs> or Santa Maria, I think we were in. <laughs> But yes, so God, God, you start to see in retrospect a lot of times when you look back, you can kind of see how everything fell into place and, and knowing that you're getting back to where you're supposed to be. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next one. It says, what have you, I don't know, sometimes we think we're almost finished with a detour, then something happens to turn us back around instead of continuing on our planned way. Share some moments when you thought you were almost out of the detour and you ended up not being, but it ended up not being the end or the rescue from delay that you were hoping for. All right, well, and, and then and we, just, we just did our testimony uh, Sunday, but there were times, that, there was a time I thought the Lord told me he was coming home in April. I had planned. I had I knew what I was going to wear to church this first. I just had all these things. I went out and bought, you know, got him towels. And then it just, it, did, it didn't happen. Yeah. It, it, April, he was supposed to come home. And I, I believe that that's what the Lord had told me. But God, it, he delayed. And we had to dig a little deeper. We had to, it was a, another test of our faith. Um, and in that, we had to learn not to, even when things don't go like you want them to or you think they're going to go, you know, what will, your, what will your confession be? What will your statement of faith be? What will your actions be? So sometimes, even in, in the delay, God is working on us. So you have to acknowledge that sometimes this is not, it's not always going to go easy peasy. <laughs> about a Sunday and I never spoke about it. It's, it's the no contact, the glass and all that stuff. That's that's what we called it called it the penalty box. Elder Rudy?
say uh, that sometimes we're overwhelmed because, uh, uh, oh, here it is. One of the reasons uh, of us, uh, one of the reasons some of us have not gotten off our detour is that we are too self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and sometimes we think... We think we, we, we're in control. Um, we think we're still driving. We, we're using our own intellect and our own what method of getting out of um, a situation to think our way out of it. And sometimes God just wants you to get in the back seat. He doesn't even want you to drive co-pilot. <laughs> just get in the back and ride. <laughs> And so, Sister Howes, and then we'll move on to the next one. The main thing that's the message to me is that I was told to uh, stand down. And I was like, stand down sounds like a military. I've always wanted to be on time, so I was always worried about the night before did somebody call me, am I supposed to be places, especially since I don't use computer and cell phone. Well, I have an appointment. have to stand down, lay down, get in the back seat, <laughs> we need to do to let God do what he's, he's going to do, and we have to relinquish control, which is hard. <laughs> it really is hard, and some people is harder than others, but um, all right, so okay, we'll move on to the next one. Um, what have you learned about the character of God and how he rescues us from detours? in relating to the story about Joseph. What we see throughout the whole story of Joseph was to bring about not only Joseph's salvation, but the whole people of Israel. I mean, he set this in motion to, to create a plan to preserve the people of Israel. And, and, and Egypt benefited from it also. And so that shows that God loves us enough to, set, to do all of that, to put all of that into motion for us. Because not only the people of Israel, but now we, as, as those that are grafted in, are benefiting from it. So I think God's love for us is so tremendous that he is creating this marvelous, masterful web of people and actions and things happening to benefit us. So anyone else have an example that they want to add to that? Sister Lori. I looked at the timing of everything. So far as Joseph networking with the banker. Uh, <laughs> you remember me, that kind of thing. And just to remember when I'm going through something that it's God 
and that goes back to the control thing too, because we want for microwave generation, <laughs> we want it now, we want it yesterday. <laughs> and we don't want to wait or and even when you can't see it, it's hard to wait for the timing when you you don't like like I said before, when I I can't see down the road and I can't see it. But I that's where I have to just trust God and walk step by step, having him guide my way. So, But sometimes we see it and we keep trying to, I call it like manipulate, manipulate stuff. And we get, out, we get out of order when we do that. So Elder Rudy, quickly, and then we'll move on to the next one. takes it away from us sometimes so because I think we think we did it we take the credit for what God has done so he removes it sometimes so that we know it's not us so that's that's a good point I'm gonna skip to the um, end because we're getting short on time a lot of the we kind of covered this really well but um, how can Joseph's detours encourage you so just briefly, as you're getting your offerings together and we're preparing to dismiss, can, some, can someone just elaborate on how Sister Shelton? We have to know that God's timing is not always our timing. We look at that experience, and that, and that happened over years. I mean, years and years ago, but God had a perfect plan. And sometimes God's perfect plan isn't in our time. We say, well, I have this five-year plan, and my life should go this way, this way, this way. That might not be God's plan. We just have to learn how to say, God, your plan is better than mine. We have to be able to, to, to relinquish our plan sometimes. And I think some of us hold on to our plan so tightly that they don't want to give up the plan because they believe it's what God wants. But then when God is saying, you know, you need to go that way, they're still fighting to do the original plan. So you got to be a little fluid with God and follow him. All right, so Sister Lori and then Sister Carla, and then we're going to dismiss. Yep. Oh, we got one more in the back, too. Three, and then we're going to go. Um, the bigger picture that it's not just about us but the connection maybe to the nation for us waiting or taking the detour. Amen. So Sister Carla? When those two things come together, that's the perfect, like the little sweet spot. And sometimes we're trying to get there and we're not at the sweet spot yet. So, yes, exactly. All right, in the back. All right, she wanted an offering envelope. I think that's why she had her hand up. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, well, very good. We, this was a good session on the promotion. Do the work over the week. Um, it's, I looked ahead. It's some good stuff. It's, it, it'll, it'll help you grow. Um, we're going to wrap it up next week. We'll talk about the providence of God. So we're going to talk about how all of this works together in, his, in God's kingdom. So he's going to tie it up in a nice little bow next week. It's our last session in this, in this uh, Bible study. We'll have surveys for you next week. On what we, We'll have some surveys next week on, on uh, what you would like to do going forward or, you know, some ideas you might have. So um, uh, you can stand right now. We'll prepare to take our offering.